read James chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, Now above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes, and your no must be no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Well, if you're a perfect saint and have never told a lie, you may be thinking, why in the world would anybody ever swear by heaven? And that's a good question, but one that I seriously doubt anybody in here needs to ask themselves. I doubt that anyone in here has a perfect tongue and has been truthful in their speech all of their lives. The reason any of us would have the need to swear is because it distinguishes one truth from a multitude of lies. We're just a lying people, and apart from the grace of Almighty Yahweh, and this starts from our it starts from our youth. You know, if it if it wasn't for Yahweh's grace, you know, we'd never stop lying. We'd start and we'd never stop. Think back to when you were a kid, and have you ever said this? I swear to God, I didn't do it. Whatever it was when you were when your tail was held under the fire, whenever somebody was fisting to get on to you, you say, well, I swear I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Or how about this one? I swear on my mama's grave. We've heard those things. Make a oath. I swear on my mama's grave that this or that is true. Or cross my heart, hope to die. I used to say that when I was a kid. Even in our even in our youth, we said these things in an effort to prove that we were telling the truth because those things meant we were serious. When we would say, I cross my heart, hope to die, that means I'm serious. Or if I say I swear by something, that means I'm serious. No matter what we've ever said, this time it's absolutely true because I cross my heart and I hope to die. See, the only reason that you'd need to swear to God or on your mama's grave is to differentiate between the normal lies. That's the only reason you need to swear. When we speak these kinds of things, whoever we are speaking to in these instances probably considers us a liar or we wouldn't even say them. We wouldn't say that we need to swear. Or at least we have lied to them at some point in our life, which we all have. So we have to invoke some kind of authority to show this time that what we're saying is the truth. As a matter of fact, if someone is telling you a story and right after they get through telling you some crazy part in the story that seems completely unreasonable, and if they turn to someone else and they say, isn't that right? It ought to be automatic. This person is known for lying. If you have to, if you have, to have somebody else back up what you say, there's a reason behind that. It's because somebody, somebody doesn't believe you. People do this to validate their stories as if what they're saying isn't good enough. And sadly, I admit that in an early age, I taught my children to do this. I remember when my children were little ones, and they would come to me, and this is what I would hear. Aubrey hit me. Or Caitlin's bossing me around. Or she won't play with me. Or she called me a name. Or she smiled at my boyfriend, or whatever the case may be. I remember asking them, did you do this or did you do that? And the answer is always the same. Nope, nope, I didn't do it. That's what I got every time. So what would I say? Do you promise? That's what I'd ask my child. Do you promise? Well, that's a prime example of the blind leading the blind. What I should have done is accepted their word for it. That's what I should have done. And let their yes be yes and their no be no. And then when I caught them in the wrong or I caught them lying, I should have adjusted their way of thinking from there by, by use of discipline. That's what I should have done. Of course, in my mind, I was trying to teach them to be sure that they always told the truth. But unfortunately, what I taught them was that their word wasn't good enough. But if they promised, well, then it was a little different. 
But I'm human, just as they are, and instead of teaching my children the biblical thought, I taught them that if they would promise, not just answer yes or no, but promise, they did or didn't do something, that I would believe them, just like I was taught when I was a kid by my peers. When I would say, I crossed my heart and hope to die. See, there seems to be some validity to a promise or a swear rather than someone's word just being credible or believable. But then remember, too, when you were a kid, we would even make a promise with our fingers crossed behind our back. Anybody ever done that? How stupid is that? So, yeah, yeah, Ron says cross your toes, too. And if you had both of them crossed, it made it null and void. The cross didn't even matter. Somehow we figured out how to work around swearing or promising, and that was to cross our fingers. Because whatever it was we were swearing about, was found, when it was found to be bogus, we could claim, well, I had my fingers crossed. That's all you had to say. Well, I had my fingers crossed. It didn't matter. It didn't count. See, we are human. See, we as humans are generally, we're just liars. It starts when we're little. We're lying to try to keep ourselves out of trouble, and it continues into adulthood, maybe still to keep us out of trouble, or maybe with just embellishment of a story from time to time, but nonetheless, it's lying. But James tells us here that we shouldn't be like that. The mark of a true believer with a regenerate heart is not a lying tongue, with a need to give promises to back it up, but rather truthful speech, honesty, a simple yes or no will do. Remember back several sermons ago in chapter 3 in the book of James, when we studied the tongue and how powerful it is. Remember we talked about the entire giant ship, how, how, the, how it was like the rudder in a ship and how it controlled that big old ship, <clears throat> and and that rudder was a was a portrait of our our tongue and our body, and how and how it controlled our our speech was a was an outward picture of what was inside of our body. The most revealing body member that we have is the tongue, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue is the most accurate depiction of your soul. If you want to know what somebody thinks, what's inside, listen to their mouth. Listen to the mouth. You can give somebody alcohol and you can sure know what's inside their heart. They will, they will let you know. The tongue is the most accurate depiction of your soul. And with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men, James says. Your mouth tells, the, your mouth tells on you. It speaks what's in your heart. So James is telling us once again here in, in, in verse 12 in chapter 5. He says, above all, he says, above anything else, anything else, once again, control your tongue and lies. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. If you have a reputation of truthfulness and honesty, you don't need to swear by anything to make people believe you. See, James is basically reiterating what, what our Lord, our Savior said in Matthew chapter 5 at the Sermon on the Mount, which is arguably the greatest sermon ever taught in the history of the world. Let's turn there real quick. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 if you have your Bible. We're going to cover a few texts tonight. So if you don't mind following along, I think you'll get something out of it. I don't have the text on the screen like Matthew. I'm not that good, so you have to just you have to use your Bibles when you come here. <laughs> Matthew chapter five and verse thirty three and we'll read it through verse thirty seven. It says this, it says Again you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's Elohim's throne, or by earth because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. 
But let your word yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So Yeshua says, don't even make false vows. There's no need to swear by anything in heaven or on earth. Instead, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And James is just echoing his Lord and his older brother here by teaching the same thing to his brothers he's addressing in his epistle. And he tells us this, he tells us this close to the end of his book, and he says, he says this about what he's saying. He says, above all, meaning even after everything else I've told you, above all that good stuff that we've been studying in James, from James 1 to James 5, he says, above all these things, be honest in speech and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, I don't want you to be confused with what I'm saying. With Bible, honest and honest oath-making, I don't want you to be confused about this. The point I'm trying to make is that James and our Master Yeshua both tell us not to make oaths in an effort to prove that we are telling the truth or to get out of having to keep the oath. But that doesn't mean that it's unlawful or that we shouldn't even make oaths. So don't confuse that. See, if it was common to make oaths all throughout the Bible. It's done over and over and over again. It's, it's common to make oaths. It's common to swear, I guess we could, we, we could say. Let's go back through the scriptures and find some different places where not only Yahweh allows it, but he also tells the Israelites to do it. I just want to pick out a few points, and we'll, uh, we'll see what, what Yahweh has to say about making oaths. I don't want to discredit what Yeshua says, but I also don't want you to get the, the difference between the two confused. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13... We can read it, or I'll read it, and you can listen. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. It says this. It says, Fear Yahweh, your mighty one. Worship him and take your oaths in his name. Here Yahweh tells the children of Israel through the mouth of Moses. He says to use him, to use Yahweh. Use Yahweh as a creditor in their oaths when they make when they make them rather than any other mighty ones. When you swear, swear by me, is what Yahweh says. In Numbers chapter 30 and verse 2, it says, When a man makes a vow to Yahweh or swears an oath to put himself under an obligation, he must not break his word. He must do what he promises. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 31 through 32, it says, When a man sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and he comes to take an oath before your altar in the temple, May you hear it in heaven and act. Notice it doesn't say swear by the altar of the temple. It says to take an oath before your altar in the temple. This will be important in a minute. But my point is that Yahweh not only allows such oath taking or swearing, but he also commands it. And he commands that when you do make an oath, that you stand by it. By using Yahweh's name as our guarantee, that's what we're supposed to do. When you swear, swear by my name. In other words, appeal to a higher power. Use me as your witness that you will actually do what, what you say you're going to do. That's, that's the idea here. But remember, when we, make, when we make them, that we must keep them and not break any promises that we make because Yahweh will punish us for it. That's what it means. That's what it means when it says you swear by Yahweh, that if you don't keep your word, then Yahweh's punishment will be on you. That's that's what you're using. When you swear by Yahweh, you're recognizing that if I don't keep this oath, Yahweh's punishment is going to be on me. He's going to chastise me for not doing what I said that I'm supposed to do. We also have many approved examples in the scriptures of oaths that were taken. Yahweh himself made oaths. In Genesis chapter 9, 
I learned something about this today, and I'm going to point it out just because I'm here. But in Genesis chapter 9, Yahweh makes a covenant with all the flesh on the earth by putting his bow in the sky, and he promises not to ever flood the earth again. That's a promise that he made. That's a covenant. Rainbows are seen all over the world for all living flesh to be reminded that he will never flood the earth again. That's a beautiful promise. It's one thing It's one thing that we don't have to worry about. We don't ever have to worry about water coming, filling everything up, and killing every, every living creature. He says that he put it on the earth for all living flesh. He put the bow in the sky for all living flesh to see. Not only mankind... I believe the animals as well. I don't, you know, whether or not they understand he always promises, I don't know, but nonetheless, the bow's in the sky. The point I'm going to make right here is, if you believe in a local flood, explain rainbows all over the world. I'll keep on going. That's for another day, but I just wanted to point that out. Also, in Genesis chapter 22, Yahweh makes a promise to Abraham to make him a great nation, as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. In verse 16, he says, By myself I have sworn, because Abraham didn't withhold Isaac, but believed Yahweh when he first told him in Genesis 15 that he would make him a great nation. Catch that? By myself I have sworn. That's what Yahweh says. Yahweh swore by himself. And in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, For when Yahweh made a promise to Abraham, since he had none greater to swear by, he swore by himself. And then in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16 through 18, I'm going to read this, but I want you to listen to it. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16 through 18, it says this, For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because the Almighty wanted to show the unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, He guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for the Almighty to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. Amen? Do you know what the two unchangeable things here are? It was a promise and an oath. Those were the two things. He promised Abraham in verse 15 that he would bring about a great nation. And then the, the oath that he swore, he swore by himself. Those are the two unchangeable things. Yahweh doesn't lie, and so therefore those two things are unchangeable. And this is how us, or this is how we know that the, the promise to the heirs of Abraham will have eternal life. He, he promised Abraham and swore by himself. He took an oath using himself as a guarantee because there's nothing greater in heaven on earth to, or on earth to swear by. How many are thankful that Yahweh made an oath with Abraham? They swore an oath to Abraham. It's a, it's a big deal. Another oath of of Yahweh was the restoration of Israel in Zion. Or the restoration of Israel in Zion is found in and is found in Isaiah chapter sixty two and verse eight. And it says this it says Yahweh has sworn with his mighty hand and a strong arm, I will no longer give your grain to your enemies for food, and foreigners will not drink your new wine you have labored for. Or how about Numbers chapter fourteen and verses twenty through twenty four? Yahweh swears that the Israelites that saw the wonders in the wilderness wouldn't see the rest in the land of Canaan because they tested Yahweh ten times. He swore that to them. He swore you'll never see the rest. That too is a promise of Yahweh, and you can rest assured that it's as true, it's, it's as, true as the good promises are, and it will be upheld. See, not all oaths and promises have good outcomes. When Yahweh promises, it's not always a good thing. Consider when Yahweh gives the blessings and the cursings in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now the promises 
they're great. The, the the promises of the blessings, they're they're great. But the promises of the cursing, that's not that's not something that we desire. But nonetheless, they'll be just as true as the promise of the blessings. He will keep those just as well as he'll keep your blessings. So we should be careful how we make a vow, and we should consider the consequences when we do so. Making vows were common, and but they were serious. It, it wasn't something to just be taken lightly. When someone made a vow to Yahweh to clear a brother's name in a court setting, it was a righteous thing. And he had better be telling the truth, because if not, the punishment from Yahweh would be much greater than the punishment of the king and the judges or the Sanhedrin or whoever was judging you there. That's Deuteronomy chapter 19. If a witness came forth and gave an oath, but was later found to be false, then he received the punishment due. And even even greater than that, Yeshua tells us in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he says not to fear those who can what? Kill the, kill the body. But fear him who can kill the body and the soul. That's the one we're supposed to fear. You know, He's talking about don't fear the judges so much. I don't think that's his intent in Matthew 10, but it could be used here. He's not... We're not, we're not to worry about the one that can just kill the body. We're the one. We're, we're to worry about the one that can kill the body and the soul. The second death, the final death, the one that won't that, that make you where you can't live forever. See, these people of old knew the severity of taking Yahweh's name in vain by taking a false oath, and were terrified to break the third commandment, taking Yahweh's name in vain. They were so much terrified of it that they went to great lengths to honor their oath. Consider Jephthah in Judges chapter eleven. I want to read this. I don't know. Who in here is familiar with it? Maybe everybody is. But if you turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 11, I'm going to read this. I was reading it today, and I just started crying after when I got to the end of it because it hits home with me. And I mean, I had tears running down my face, and I was something ignorant cost cost somebody's life. And uh, and it's a it's a terrible story. But but to understand the severity of keeping Yahweh's oath it's important probably that we read it so i'm going to start in verse 29 jephthah was a righteous man we'll start in verse 29 and here it goes it says uh, the spirit of yahweh come on jephthah who traveled through gilead and manasseh and then through mizpah of gilead he crossed over to the ammonites from mizpah of gilead jephthah made this vow to yahweh he says if you will hand over the ammonites to me Whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites will belong to Yahweh. I will offer it as a burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and Yahweh handed them over to him. He defeated 20 of the cities in a great slaughter from Aror all the way to the entrance of Meneth and to Abel-Karamim. So the Ammonites were subdued before the Israelites. When Jephthah went to his home at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out, of the, out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. She was his only child. He had no other son or daughters besides her. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and he said, No, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to Yahweh and I cannot take it back. Then she said to him, My father, you have given your word to Yahweh due to me. As you have said, for Yahweh brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. She also said to her father, Let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Go, he said. And he sent her away two months. So she left with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. 
at the end of two months, she returned to her father, and he kept the vow he had made about her, and she had never been intimate with a man. Now it became a custom. Now it became a custom in Israel that four days each year the young women of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. That's serious. Serious, serious, serious when a man will take his daughter's life because of a vow that he made with Yahweh. That's a serious matter. We should take Yahweh's vows that serious. What a vow, huh? What a vow. Well, he made a vow to Yahweh and he knew the implications of keeping it. He understood that. Was it foolish for, for Jephthah to make the vow or to keep the vow? No, it wasn't foolish for him to keep it. However, it was ignorant for him to make it with such implications. That was that was foolishness. But when you make a vow to Yahweh, you're entitled to keep it. And Yahweh says in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 21, if you make it, you keep it, you know. Don't make an oath in Yahweh's name lightly and definitely consider the consequences when you make one. Now the good old Pharisees, they under, understood oaths too. But because this was so serious and was understood by all to be something not to be played with, they started to twist it just a little bit so they could make the vow not so binding. Remember what we read in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33 when Yeshua said, You have heard it said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to Yahweh. Well, Yeshua isn't quoting the Old Testament here. He's quoting the Pharisees and what their tradition says. Rabbinic tradition says not to make false vows, but fulfill your vows to Yahweh. And boy, that sounds good on the surface, but remember... This is the Pharisees we're talking about here, and we know how they like to twist Scripture <clears throat> to fit their traditions, which they uphold greater than the written word of Yahweh. That's what they do. So the tradition said to fulfill your vows to Yahweh, which gave them the loophole they needed. When it says fulfill your vows to Yahweh, if you don't make a vow to Yahweh, then they think you don't have to fulfill it. You can make vows with everything around Yahweh, just don't make it to Yahweh. In other words, if they swear by something else other than Yahweh, well, it's not really binding. It's kind of like making a promise with your fingers crossed, right? We talked about that a while ago, same thing. This is all laid out later in Matthew chapter 23 where Yeshua is giving the woes to the scribes and the Pharisees for lifting their traditions above the law. Let's turn and look at that. Matthew chapter 23. And like I said, I know we go to a lot of Scripture tonight, but I think it's important that we... That we cover them in order to get the get the meanings behind all this. Matthew chapter twenty three, starting in verse sixteen. It says this. It says, "Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever takes an oath by the sanctuary it means nothing. They're not taking an oath by Yahweh's name." They're swearing on the sanctuary. I want you to get this. Pick this up as we go through it. Whoever makes a, whoever makes an oath by the sanctuary, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold of the sanctuary is bound by the oath. Blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the sanctuary that are the are the sanctuary that sanctified the gold. Also, whoever takes an oath by the altar, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gift that is on it is bound by his oath. Blind people, for which is greater, the gift of 
the gift or the altar that, sac- that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and everything on it. The one who takes an oath by the sanctuary takes an oath by it and him who dwells in it. And the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by Yahweh's throne and by him who sits on it. In other words, just because you swear by the temple or its gold instead of swearing by Yahweh, it doesn't exempt you from having to keep the oath. You think you've circumcised, circumvented the law and are not held accountable for your vows because you didn't swear by Yahweh. That's the, that's the idea here. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They said, well, if we just swear by something else, maybe the temple or, or parts of the temple, well, we don't have to keep it. You know, as long as we don't, as long as we don't swear by Yahweh's name. But just because you swear by all these other things, it doesn't mean you don't have to keep the vow. Yahweh knows what you said, and if you if you keep the if you keeping the vow or not, He knows what you vowed to do. He knows whether or not you're telling the truth or not. Yeshua tells us. Remember back in Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-four, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because that's Yahweh's throne, or earth because that's His footstool, or Jerusalem." because that's the city of the great king. Don't swear by any of these things. Neither shall you swear by your head, because you can't make a single hair, white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than that, that's from the evil one. Before I get to the part about the evil one, James says the exact same thing in James chapter 5 and verse 12. He, he almost echoes the Messiah exactly the same way. Listen to what he says. He says, Don't swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other earth oath the messiah says don't swear by heaven or by earth or by jerusalem that's any other oath that's the other part he says almost the exact same thing and then james says in matthew i mean in chapter 5 and verse 12 james says any or matthew i'm sorry the messiah says in matthew chapter 5 verse 34 anything more than that is from the evil one why is anything more than that from the evil one it's because it's just a lie. It's just a lie. If you swear by anything that's not, that won't hold you accountable, then you're just lying. That's all you're doing. The only reason you're using somebody else is because you know you won't be held accountable for the vow that you make. The only reason that you use another substance is because you won't be held accountable. And we know that the evil one is the father of all lies. Satan is the father of all lies, and that's what makes it evil. So now that we have an understanding, let's read. James chapter 5 and verse 12 again. It says, Now above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no so that you don't fall under judgment. So we've discovered that it isn't wrong to make oaths as long as we make them in Yahweh's name and for a legitimate and serious cause from time to time. However, on a regular basis, yes is good enough and no is good enough. If we're honest people, all the time, people will respect a yes and no answer because of our reputation of honesty. One more point that I want to make about verse 12 is at the end. Notice James says, do this, don't take oaths in my name, do this, don't take oaths in in any other name but Yahweh, so that you won't fall under judgment. The word judgment right here is derived from the Greek word krisis or crisis, I don't know exactly how you say it, but... And it means a decision that is brought about by a judge. That's what the word means. In this case, it would be talking about a decision of condemnation so that you don't fall into condemnation. 
A while back we studied in James chapter 4 and in verse 11 and in verse 12, James warns us about passing judgment on our neighbor and he tells us that we, sh- that we shouldn't judge our neighbor because there's one judge or one condemner. There's one person that condemned, there's one person that can judge and sentence to hell. Well, this word judge, judgment, crisis, in verse 12, comes from the same word group that the word judge comes from in 4.12. It's talking about a judgment of condemnation for sin, and the sin here in view is lying. The reason that swearing by a false entity is, so, is sin is because the only reason that you swear by something false is because you're scared of the repercussions of swearing by something that's true, that being Yahweh. So that, you, so that you can get around your lie. Because there's no judgment for an oath taken that's not in Yahweh's name. There's judgment for lying, but there's no judgment for an oath taken not, not in the eyes of the Pharisees. Anyway, how about that? But that's, that's pharisaical. That's, that's, not, that's not what Yahweh teaches. Yahweh knows what you promise. So an oath made is an oath paid if it's not kept. If you make an oath, you invoke the judgment of Yahweh when you default on it. Revelation chapter 22 and verses 14 and 15, it says this. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and even the, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Outside are the liars, the false Oath takers, I guess. Those are the people that stay outside. They're not even welcome in Yahweh's city. This is the condemnation or the judgment that James speaks of. And it couldn't be more fitting. All the way through the epistle of James, he's given us ways to test ourselves and see if we have true saving faith. Why would it be any different in verse 12, chapter 5? Why would it be any different? But he sets this test out in front of the rest of them when he says, above all, Above all, don't swear. Don't swear. That is falsely. Above all, let your yes be yes and your no be no. James knows that there's a proper way of making vows and, and, and that it's permitted. But this misuse of one is only evidence of a wicked heart that was in search of a way to hide its sin. And he also warns us of the pending judgment for that. Folks, do y'all know that uh, the Messiah made a vow? Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5 may convince some people that Yeshua wouldn't have made a vow. But that's not true. Matthew chapter 26 would speak otherwise. When he stands, if you want to turn to this, you can turn it and look at it with me. I'm just throwing this in here for a side note. We're almost done. But in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63 and verse 64, it doesn't say that Yeshua necessarily spoke the vow, but it does say this. I'm going to give you some context. I'm going to start in verse 57. Matthew 26 and verse 57, it says, Those who had arrested Yeshua led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Meanwhile, Peter was following him at a distance, right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the temple police to see the outcome. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Yeshua so they could put him to death. But they could find they could not find any. Even though many false witnesses came forward, finally two who came forward stated, This man said, I can demolish Yahweh's sanctuary and rebuild it in three days. The high priest then stood up and he said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Yeshua kept silent. 
Then the priest said to him, he says, By the living Elohim, I place you under oath. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of the Almighty. And what, is, what does Yeshua say? You have said it. He never spoke until he was placed under oath. He was completely quiet. But when the priest said, the high priest said, I place you under oath of the living Elohim. Tell us if these things are so. And he says, you have said it. And by the way, since you have placed me under oath, and I'm telling the truth, why don't you hear this? But I tell you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power of the coming on the clouds of heaven. Not only am I who you say I am, I am the Son of the Almighty, but I also will be coming on the clouds of heaven. You can have that with your oath. Yeshua was under oath there. Whether he took the oath or was placed under oath, but in a court of law, the Sanhedrin, the court system that he knew, he was placed under oath and he had to give his account. And so he did. I threw that in there because I, because I wasn't familiar of Matthew, with Matthew 26. I didn't know that he'd taken an oath. But anyway, if somebody ever asked you if the Messiah had taken an oath, I believe that this is an account that testifies to that. Folks, out of all caution, we shouldn't make oaths unless need be. It's a solemn thing. It's a solemn swear to call Yahweh as your witness and invoke his judgment on you if you default on your oath. It is a it is a very, very crucial thing to do. Remember the one who practices the line will be with the dogs outside for revelation. They won't be in the kingdom. So take your oath seriously in the name of Yahweh and none other. If you're going to make an oath, you make an oath in the name of Yahweh. But the rest of the time, just tell the truth all the time. And then everyone that knows you will know that your yes is yes. And your no is no, and that's good enough. We don't have to swear by we don't have to swear by anything else. Not our mother's grave. None of that stuff. Not on a stack of Bibles. We don't have to place our hand on the Bible. That's no good. That's no that's no different than swearing on Jerusalem. Putting your hand on the Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's no better than swearing on Jerusalem. Yahweh says if you're going to make an oath, you make it by my name. And that'll be good enough. Yahweh Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your instructions, Father. Thank you for your understanding that you've given us uh, in your word. Father, I thank you for our elder brother, Yeshua. I thank you for our, all our brothers that have wrote epistles to, to other churches. and Father, that we may read them and understand and grow in your word and knowledge and wisdom and, and be strengthened, Father. We give you, give you praise today. We lift you up. We're so thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful most of all for your son and his sacrifice and what it means for our eternal life. Father, we love you so much. We give you praise, honor, and glory, and we, we do all this in his precious name. Amen.